0: Welcome to the Happyish Ever After Podcast. I'm your host, Tatiana Robertson. And yes, you heard right, happy-ish. Because this podcast is not about chasing the fairy tale. Our purpose is not to find Prince Charming and live in a castle. Our purpose is to live our own true story. But how do we do that with the overwhelm of the daily grind? Here on Happyish, I talk to so many amazing people and we aren't just here to inspire you. We are here to give you tangible takeaways that you can use to create a life that you love. A life where you have tools to improve your mental and physical health. A life where you are the center of the story. The fairy tale was never real and that's the good news because that means that you can take the pen and write your own story. Now let's get started and see where this takes us. Welcome back to another episode of Happiest Ever After. I'm so excited about today's conversation with Shauna Harper, who is the CEO of an organization called WeBC. It supports women entrepreneurs in British Columbia. Now, hold on. If you're not in BC, you still want to listen because this is about the work and tools and resources that are available. I know that my podcast is now in over 50 countries. And so whatever country you're in, whatever province, whatever state you're in, you can take a lot of the learnings and the things that you hear today and find an organization in your region that provides similar supports. And I'm absolutely sure that they exist, but if they don't exist, it's always your opportunity to maybe start something because Well, I'm just going to turn it over to Shauna and say, Shauna, how long has WeBC been around Mm -hmm. and how did it come to be that there was an organization focused on helping and supporting female entrepreneurs?
1: Thanks so much, Tatiana. Yes, WBC has been around for 28 years this year. And what started off with an initial, we need to create an organization that helps support women entrepreneurs that have different needs than our male counterparts. We got a loan fund from the federal government to be able to distribute to, to women so that they could qualify for loans, they could start and grow their businesses and it was something where, oh, maybe just for five years, we need this. And we realized <laughs> the work isn't done. 28 years later, the loan fund is still needed. Over and over again, we still do surveys to make sure that the work that we're doing out there that's customized to women entrepreneurs is still needed. And so there is still bar- there are still barriers around uh, mindset, around accessing capital, around gender biases, all of the different barriers that women face. And so our ecosystem exists, obviously, for B.C. entrepreneurs. But right across the country, we have sister organizations that uh, also support women entrepreneurs. And I also know globally, there is definitely more of a push now around supporting um, women entrepreneurs
0: as as an ecosystem together and as a community together. Can you imagine the amount of economic impact that women could have if they were fully able to participate at their at their best ability whatever that ability is if we were on the same footing to get going the challenges i'm sure have changed over 28 years but if you go into your local bookstore and you look at leadership and business books how many covers have women of color on the cover that have female authors and what's really interesting is how the perception of it being a male industry probably kind of perpetuates that.
1: Well, absolutely, and this is um why 5 years ago the federal government actually created the women's entrepreneurship strategy. Oh wow. Part of the strategy was an ecosystem fund knowing that when they invest in women entrepreneurs, sorry, I don't know the stats currently, but they were something around 21, 22% in BC. It's a little bit higher with the percentage of um, women-owned businesses. But essentially the fund was created to say, what if women were just at the 50%, you know, with that 50%, what would that mean to our economy? And it was billions of dollars worth for our country. And so this is the piece that how do we increase the ability for women business owners to be successful, to not just start their businesses, but stay and grow their businesses is really kind of part of the reason WBC still exists. And we do this through um, a couple of ways. It's uh, the loans that we offer, but also the advisory on a how to get the loan, how to qualify, how to put together the information you need to even apply for the loan, as well as uh what we're, we call wraparound services. So there's some mentorship circles, whether it is peer mentoring or one on one mentoring, and then also skills development. So that ongoing learning, always to, to be learning and to figuring out what else is. New, but also what else is constant, you know, in a business around HR, around operations, around marketing, around, you know, finance, all of these kind of
0: pillars of an organization or growing of a business. So, oh my gosh. When I was young, never thought about being an entrepreneur. I don't remember there ever being any sort of classes around entrepreneurship at university. However, I do have physics, chem, and biology all from high school. But entrepreneurship, that never even, and I'm not saying that they weren't offered, but never crossed my mind, never thought of myself as somebody who could own a business. I didn't grow up with money. Mm -hmm. I didn't grow up with entrepreneurs as family. So how do you share this information with women if if they feel like, "I, I don't know, like I have a good idea, but I don't know how to run a business. Nobody in my family ever ran a business. How do you do that? And that's the thing. I mean, obviously, we have a website that has lots of
1: information in there. For us, it's more figuring out how through our partners, through our community, through podcasts like this, that women find out and learn about this. So there isn't a now I think, compared to, you know, when we were growing up, there's a lot more supports out there. So besides our organization, there's Small Business BC, there's Community Futures in the smaller communities, there's all the different organizations that support businesses to grow in our province and in our country. So that part isn't a shortage. For me, I was very fortunate. Um, My parents, um, immigrants and to the country uh, became entrepreneurs, most likely for the, the fact that you know they didn't have their necessarily dream job. So they had to create an income that uh, allowed them to, to, to support their family. And so I was fortunate in that sense. I grew up with entrepreneurial parents. Interestingly, even with that, I never thought I'd grow a business. I worked in the corporate world as a travel agent, managed a travel agency, and then got sick and was like, Hey, what are some other things I can do and dabbled into different parts of entrepreneurship that then eventually had me growing a communications company and a manufacturing company and all these other pieces. But for women that don't really see it, or even necessarily think of it as a business, we often find women will maybe do a side hobby, or some kind of side hustle that we call it where Mm -hmm. um, they already have a job and they really like to craft or they really like to do make food or something along the lines of their personal interests. And then all of a sudden it grows slowly into something a little bit bigger. You add some arms and legs to it. More people are requesting it. Those types of things. They'll then find out hopefully through networks and um, maybe Googling, you know, how to start a business, they can then find out more information. For us, we do offer um, for starting women that are just starting out. And this is something that whether you are Starting out in BC or not, you can listen to it. There's definitely information in there about getting licensed and all those things that are specific to our province. But even starting the business, you know, choosing the name, what to call it, all of those different pieces that questions that you, when you're starting out, you might be alone in the sense that you have no role models or other friends that are starting businesses. There are resources out there. And we run that now almost every week, it's kind of every other week is the start your own business. And then we also have the more legal kind of um, um, start
0: your own business portion of it every other week. So. so the starting your own business, is that actually like an online webinar? Is it live? Yeah. It's an online Zoom call. It's free. That's great. So you have this bi-weekly Zoom call. I will make sure to add that to the show notes. So anybody who would like to get on the list, be good. go into the show notes, give it a click and sign up for one of these start your own business Zoom calls. That's amazing. And that's amazing that it's actually available for anyone anywhere. Even if they're not in BC, they can get a little insight. Absolutely. And so besides
1: starting your own business, there might be women on this call that already have a business. And so we also have kind of the grow your business calls as well. If you're at the stage where you're looking for financing, so because we offer loans, we talk about financing. And in there, there's different ways to get loans throughout our province. And so for you to be able to hear that part too. We have another one that is more on growing your business and I'll, I'll give you that link as well. It's a business
0: loan information session is what it's called. So do you run these regularly at no cost?
1: Yeah. So the start your own business one is at no cost and same with the finding out about the loans. Uh, that is a service that we offer. Sometimes the starting part is the hardest. Mm. So we do have, depending on funding, some of our programs, there is a, a fee or a charge to it. Many of our programs is more of a nominal fee than Anything we find that people are committed when they <laughs> when they uh, put a bit of skin in the game, yeah. um, but to start your own business, one we've heard from people that they'll listen two or three times because. It's not so much the content, obviously the content nowadays, you could pretty much Google just about anything. It's actually the community that actually shows up on those calls. So we had one woman say that she actually was on the call four times to listen to the other questions the other women were asking.
0: Oh, okay.
1: Because it's sometimes it's like, oh, I never thought of that for my business or hey, that's a good way of thinking of it for this. And so She was actually listening more for the Q&A that happens um, and really the the
0: organic part that happens uh, in between the content. I love that. The thing is, if you... Google something, you don't know who wrote it. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you're conflicted. You're like, how come one thing talks about this and another site talks about that? What's the best? And if you actually get to talk to a real person and say, hey, I've seen these two different options and they're an expert in the area, they can say, oh, this is why, or this is what most people do, or maybe the author of that was in another jurisdiction where they had certain different requirements. It's so helpful to be able to actually have access to a person. And I think that's the amazing thing about having a non-profit like yours providing these services.
1: Absolutely. And we represent obviously BC, but there's also the Alberta's Women Enterprise. There's the Manitoba, Saskatchewan, there's Paro out of Ontario. There's a couple out of Quebec. Uh, and we're a part of the Women's Enterprise Organization Canada, WEOC, which is kind of a collective of different women's enterprise organizations that serve women entrepreneurs. And they are kind of the umbrella. And so we are separate organizations. um, But for one of the advice, you know, pieces that I always say to entrepreneurs is find a community for me, finding another community of other organizations like us that do similar work has also been really a huge highlight of the the work that I do and obviously helps us kind of grow stronger
0: together that i think is such a key takeaway is to be able to find and build community mm. i completely agree i'd never thought i would be an entrepreneur and i still do have my full time corporate job but as listeners to the podcast know i'm also a health coach and i've got to say Everything about my business improved when I got into a mastermind with a group of women who were on that same journey. We were in different areas of our businesses, different stages, different services that we delivered. But just having other women who understood the balancing of family demands, corporate demands of the fear, like, what do you need to like, what are your goals? How are you going to get there to have someone to be able to share that with who's either been through it or going through it at the same time has been a powerful game changer for me. And I'm sure that you must experience that.
1: Yeah, we're actually, it's a pretty big year for us this year. We're celebrating 15 years of our mentorship program. And our mentorship program was how, I mean, I've been CEO for a year in this organization, but I've been a part of the community for 15 years of the 28 years as a mentor. And the mentorship program um, so proudly support, like celebrating the 15 years because of exactly what you said there. Many people come into business and especially women, when they start a business, they're like, oh, but I'm brand new. What can I offer? If I join a group like like that and it's and it's amazing because you might be new to business but very few of the women that are around are actually, almost none of the women are new to life, right? And so in other areas, they could have been HR consultants, or they could have been um, sales managers, or they could have been uh, stay at home moms, or they could have been, you know, many different types of careers. And so they bring the experience of life into our mentorship circles. And so our peer mentor groups uh, is a form of usually eight women and a facilitator. And it isn't so much just the mentor being, you know, the person giving all the advice. I mean, obviously, our mentors are skilled in business, they've usually been in business, most of them over 10 years, and some of them over, you know, even in the were mentees before and then became mentors. And so they definitely have advice and expertise to offer. But the way our peer mentor groups are designed really is about almost a leader in every seat, Mm -hmm. in the sense that there's one person gets to share some of something they're going through. And then the group essentially goes through to figure out, is this the problem that needs to be solved? And because they've heard the person talk about what that issue is. And then together, everyone kind of puts their minds together and you essentially have seven other people besides yourself thinking about your problem and thinking about what that solution would be. And at the end of the day, you can take it or leave it. Don't like that advice? You don't need to take it. It's not this you know, you must do this in order to come back to the next meeting. And so that whole peer group support, women have been doing this for generations in circles, in Mm -hmm. chapter, in in marriage counseling, you know, (laughs) know, all the different areas that women gather in circle. And so why not in business? And I I think you had asked me prior to this interview, you know, what are three things that I want to make sure not to forget and for me, as, a, as someone that is, yes, leading an organization now, I was an entrepreneur for 22 years before this, and I waited way too long to include other people. Mm -hmm. I felt like I had to do it myself. I felt like no one else understands this. You know, I had my parents that were entrepreneurs, but the type of stuff I was doing was different than they were doing. And so even if you are a day old in being an entrepreneur or 10 years or 50 years, find a community, find a circle, because that is something that really helped to catapult me as an entrepreneur, both in being a mentor and seeing, you know, helping somebody else, but also in my own learning and growing, when I go to help someone, I also grow in my own business. And so it doesn't, I mean, ideally you all come to the WeBC, you know, your mentoring groups, but it doesn't have to be that. It can be informal, gather a group of women together that, you know, in your community that you know, are, you know, around the same stage in business or join masterminds, like you were saying around coaching or all of the, there's so many areas now that are opportunities for women to gather. But one of the strongest pieces I always say is don't do this alone. Find a community around you. And we have, we support women entrepreneurship um, groups throughout different communities all through BC. They exist, usually are ripples off a chamber of commerce or rotaries and things like that that are in different communities. Google that
0: in your community and see if it exists. That resonates so deeply with me. Just the idea of being in community with other women, particular because we know that there's a different energy that happens then. We think about how when we were in school, it's why some people prefer to send their daughters to all girls' schools. There's a place for all the women's voices. You just said something. It was a leader in every seat. Every woman is a leader in some way, even if she doesn't recognize it within herself. I actually just did a a book club, book of the month, Abby Wambach's wolf pack. And she absolutely comes with that lens of if you are living and breathing, you are a leader. Mm -hmm. But I do believe that for some women, the conditioning of how we've been raised and the culture that we exist in in North America doesn't teach us that at a young age. And so if I don't do this on my own, if I ask for help, I'm weak. My voice isn't valuable. I'm so glad to hear that there is a space and a circle to make sure that women are able to to learn how to see themselves as leaders, the mindset that an entrepreneur comes with will have such an influence. And I know that those wraparound services and the soft skills are just so critical to being able to launch a business.
1: That's a, that's a huge part of it. And first, I want to back up on the Wolf Pack. Yay. That is the book that we actually read as an organization. Um, so in my... Amazing. It really was to, to feed that wolf, really, <laughs> to feed that wolf of where community matters, Matters and that everyone's voice matters. And how do we try to strengthen that in ourselves? Because when we do, we strengthen our communities. And so um, kudos on you on that book hub. That's uh, one of my favorites. And uh, we just had our team read it. And then what you said about wraparound, that is, that is one of the things that um, when this organization was initially started, they say, it's not just, yeah, you offer the loans to women, but if the women are not going to get the loans or they're not understanding the financial side of things or where there might be pitfalls in businesses, the business cycles, that's an important part. So the wraparound services for us are just as important as a loan. So obviously, the loans exist, but people can be getting loans from their banks if they wanted to, they can be getting it from other areas. The reason why I'm so proud of the loans that we give, is because we actually give the advisory around supporting the women to, to learn how to leverage other people's money. So when you were getting a loan, you are no longer using your own money to grow your business. You're leveraging other people's money. And this is something that is a mindset that is really hard when, and I hear this all the time um, where people are like, but I, I had my own money. I, I took it out of my line of credit, out of my credit card, from my mortgage, from my savings even. So you've taken it out of an investment vehicle that is growing for your business and taken it to invest in yourself, which is fantastic. However, you are no longer leveraging other people's money to grow it. And so when you go to take out a loan, it's more than just the money you're loaning. You are learning how when someone is going to loan you money, what do your books need to look like? What do your financial records need to look like? What does your business plan need to look like? And so I always say to women that our success point isn't, so we we offer loans up to 150000 but it isn't our success. I mean, obviously we're excited when we get to loan one hundred and fifty to a woman, but our success is when that lo- woman pays back that loan and later on in their business needs to get more money. They don't come to us. They've learned how to leverage other people's money and learned how to get a loan that they'll go to a a bank or they'll go to an investment firm or somewhere else because they've learned what it looks like to present your financials in a way that other people do want to invest in your business. And that's the part where it's way easier to learn it when you need 20,000, 50,000 or 100,000 than it is when you need $100 million to loan. 100,000 still sounds scary to me. We offer 150,000 and most women usually borrow 60 to 70,000 from us because they're like, oh, 150,000 sounds like a lot. But a lot of it too is like, how do you structure your next three years, five years? These are the conversations that we have with the women as they come into, you know, what do they need to clean up to be able to get their credit scores to a certain level? What do they need to, to do so that their business is structured in a way that when they come up with the monthly payments and those things know what they can afford. Because later on, if they go to grow their business, especially if you inventory business, especially your, you know, restaurant business, you know, any of the ones that require a lot of cash on the floor,
0: you need to be leveraging other people's money. And can I ask, are you a low interest loan then? Because there must be some risk that it wouldn't get paid back. So what would the interest rate look like compared to a bank interest rate?
1: So our interest rates do fluctuate. I mean, interest rates right across the border high right now. Mm-hmm. Um, it's usually a, a couple of percent over prime, as you depending on the risk of the individual that we are loaning to. Uh, And so if you go onto our website, you will see that we have um, loans for lower amounts for people that, for example, newcomers into Canada that don't have any credit history um, in Canada, they don't have necessarily any collateral, but what we invest in is what's viability of a business. So if the business is viable, then for us, that part is the most important piece. And surprisingly, our repayable rate is much higher than in banks. And that's something that is because of our wraparound So when women are supported around education, around, you know, the outreach where we call it advisory, where they've taken a loan from us, they can call one of our advisors if they're going through, for example, in businesses, there's often those of you that might own businesses that fluctuate due to season, Do you know what, it's super busy right now. Um, I can do double doubling up my payments, no problem. But then all of a sudden, there's a lull in January and February, and you're like, I don't know how I'm going to make these loan payments to give us a call and those other pieces. And so that's something that when we work with the woman, repayable rates are really, really high. No one starts a business thinking I'm going to default on my loan. And so it's something also very connected to the space in the community that we cultivate is that they they are supported throughout that entrepreneurial journey, even if it is that they're closing up the organized, their company and needing to pay up the loan. We should work with the woman to figure out how can how is this still possible? Because there's always something next. You know, our hope is, you know, we'll start up another business or even if they go back to work, how can we support them in paying um, that so that they feel still prideful in what they have done in growing up their business.
0: I actually feel like more at peace hearing that. Like you've just relieved so much tension. What you don't know is in the background is that one of my daughters is wanting to start her own business that will require a brick and mortar location, big dollar investments. And she's already at a young age starting to try to figure out what would monthly expenses be? What would upfront costs be? How many paying clients at what rate does she need? But I was like, where's the money going to come from? And banks don't intimidate me. I know for some people that would appear really intimidating. So just knowing that there's an alternative to a bank is going to be great, but actually to be able to, in addition to getting the money, to getting the support so that you can develop the knowledge to be able to repay it. Because here's the thing. Once you learn something, nobody can take that away from you.
1: I was going to say it's the learning part and more and more communities I'm going to, more entrepreneurs that I'm talking to. I'm like, the loan, even if you have the 50,000 sitting in your line of credit or in your credit card or even in savings and it's under your mattress, whatever it is, it's about the learning part of how do you qualify for the loan? Because when you qualify, in order to qualify for the loan, you need to have, understand your financials. And when you understand your financials at the startup level, as it grows, you're growing it with data. You're growing it knowing how to look at your numbers. It isn't just, well, I'm going to show up at this event and hopefully sell a whole bunch of stuff. And, or I'm going to open a store and not realize that, Hey, my overhead is way too high. and My margins are way too low because these are the things that advisors will tell you to say, look, there's not enough money on the table. It's not a viable business for us to invest in. And so pieces that the takeaways, I guess you would say that the women learn from getting a loan is how to manage and learn about their finances. And we just actually ran it. So it won't happen for a few more months now, but it was called a fit fit program, which is essentially a workshop series, all on financial fitness of an organization of a company. And so we run different series all the time. So sometimes it's finance, sometimes it's HR, um, sometimes it's marketing, those are kind of the, the top requested. And so for people to always tap into know that for them to constantly be learning, that was the one other piece. So besides finding a community, always be learning, whether it's through books, through webinars, through actual courses that you attend in person. And learning, obviously, can still happen in universities and colleges. But for those that don't have the time to go back to school uh, or are doing it as, you know, are flying the plane or building the plane as they're flying it, there are ways for you to learn this information and also be asking the questions that are relevant to you in the moment right away. So we've been now doing a lot of teaching sessions that are now put together or paired together with mini mentor sessions where the mic has opened up for people to ask questions specifically on their own business. And that's really been very successful. I think COVID did some wonderful, you know, COVID was very hard for many entrepreneurs and many families and people. But the one thing it did do was give us all almost this common platform to be able to tap in at any point um, and learn. And so we're able to reach parts of our province that we never did before. And even outside of our province, we had people from all over that tapped into our programs.
0: I don't ever want to minimize the horrible impacts and negative consequences of COVID. But as far as being able to connect with people from a greater distance, it's been amazing four years ago, things that we had a conference call for, we now can just, we can see each other and it feels more connected. You can sense how the person is feeling. And I'm sure that you must have a lot of women who come to you and they're like, I don't even know if this is viable yet. Hmm. Do you have a certain demographic that you feel like, are you finding that post COVID, there's sort of a greater awareness and that the demographics of those starting businesses is changing? I don't know if there was
1: a change. I mean, we service a lot of retail businesses um, for sure. Oh, no. A lot of um, retail businesses, definitely over COVID, a lot of them became online. But one of the things we did see a larger increase over COVID was actually food businesses, um, probably because a lot of people were at home, food um, manufacturing businesses and preparation businesses. That was definitely uh, an increase than in previous years. We, I mean, we, we have also a lot of consultants as, uh, as businesses as well. Definitely a lot of, like I was saying before, retail and brick and mortar as well. But it's, it's a whole range um, of different types of businesses.
0: I did have a question going back to much earlier, you said that you'd spent so long just trying to do it yourself. Mm-hmm. And then you found the community. And I'm wondering, why do you think we do that? What is the barrier that we think we got to do it alone? Well,
1: I got to say back then, we're talking 22 years ago. So back then there wasn't social media, there wasn't when you we talk about conference calls, I remember being on a phone, yeah. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know, talking on a phone. And then when I was a new mother, like talking the phone in a closet so that they couldn't hear, you know? (laughs) So the the way community connects, um, I don't think there was any, it wasn't as easy as it is now. And I think that's a big piece of it. But then there's also the fact that, like you said before, this is culturally, it's like, hey, I'm just going to do this myself. And I don't want to show it until it's real, you know, or show it until it's fruited to something much bigger. But one of the things that has to happen is that in order to for your business to grow, people have to know about it. And so, <laughs> yeah. one of the things that's really hard is to keep a business secret and think it's going to be successful. <laughs> and so, over and over again, um, the community piece, besides the learning and all that, it's also the word of mouth and the growth that happens when um, we share about our business. And nowadays with the online tools, it's definitely easier to share. But what we also say too, is it's important to also survey and test to see if your product or your solution or your service is even needed. It. Mm. And, and so it might be something that you think everyone wants this and you can imagine selling so many widgets of this, but what if it's, if you tweak something slightly different about it, even more people would want it. And so surveying and making sure sure you go out to see if this is something that someone would actually use and what would they pay for it? So being in conversation and getting that initial beta part of um, testing really is also really important. And so, yeah, I, I wish I had known that because my product evolved. So prior to my last business was a marketing communications company specifically for nonprofits. But prior to that, for about 12, 13 years. I kind of have this thing every kind of decade or so. (laughs) I kind of uh, switch what I do. I had a manufacturing business that sold inspirational magnets. But before it was inspirational magnets, I had this amazing idea that people would want my similar to my magnets that had affirmations on it, but had Velcro on the back of them, because I was like, people could stick it on their, You know, back then it was those really big, you know, monitors. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm like, you can Velcro it to your monitor and you can put it onto your mirror and those types of things. I stood at a craft show and I had a couple of magnets left over from some craft I did. I stuck those on and left them. They all sold. My Velcro things did not (laughs) fall. It's a really quick, luckily I didn't invest millions of dollars in affirmations, uh, because later over the 10 years, we sold quite a few million magnet affirmations because people understood magnets. I did. There wasn't a whole having to educate them on by, why my creative brain wanted Velcro. You know, it was too much conversation at that point. Uh, and so it's really important for entrepreneurs to get out there. You know, and initially, obviously selling it to your family and friends is a good way to test, but bigger than that, because sometimes family and friends will buy from you because they're like, oh, I'll support them. Yeah. But bigger test is what happens when you go out and see if someone wants your service in the bigger, larger community. Do they want your product in that larger piece? And if you're marketing it in a different packaging, will it change the way people look at it? All of these things are testing. And so absolutely, without getting out there, it's, it's hard to do alone. And it's something now, it, it does amazing me that for he was a good four or five years before I got it, like found a community. And part of the reason I found one had actually nothing to do with my business. I was more worried because I was going to become a mother. And I was like, I need to find a community of women, specifically entrepreneurs. And that's how I ended up becoming a mentor for Women's Enterprise Center is what we used
0: to be called. I love the example that you just gave of the magnet and the Velcro. And I didn't know that about your business. But you know that term fail fast. Yeah. If you don't test and if it's not marketable, it's going to be death by a thousand paper cuts. <laughs> and Absolutely. right. And there's a lot of money and time and energy that invests. The word fail, I think, freaks people out. Yeah. What are the chances that you're gonna hit a home run the very first time that you step up to bat? Mm-hmm. Does that mean you should never take a swing because you're not gonna hit a home run?
1: There's a, do you know the CEO of Spanx? I'm trying to think her.
0: Oh, I know. Uh what is her
1: name? Sarah Blakely. And she used to say that her dad would, around the dinner table, her dad would always say to her and her her siblings, you know, what did you fail at today? That was the celebration. And if she's like, I remember being at the table being like, I didn't fail at anything today. Really, really they're priming, you're priming that thinking that failing is actually a great thing. Yeah. Um, And because it means you're closer to whatever it is that you're meant to be close to, <laughs> you know, the next step, the next thing. And yes. so having that piece and that mindset, and that's what I really felt in the peer groups that we do host is that you now have a group of women that, you know, usually we try, we, we hand curate all our groups so that people are kind of similar levels, but in different businesses mm-hmm. so that you're able to not get, I guess, emotionally attached to other people's like your everyone is usually quite emotionally attached to their own business. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> Very easy to give advice to other people's business than it is to take it for yourself um, and give yourself the same great advice because you're emotionally attached. And it's something where when you start to adopt that fail fast mentality, or do you know what I learned? This is what I learned from it. And that is the piece that for us, when I was saying that even when women close down their businesses, the repaying rate of our loans is still quite high because they feel attached to our community because when they pay back their loans, those loans go back out to help other women. And so this is something that right from the get-go, it isn't some large bank that they don't you know, know where the money they can write it off, those things. The money that gets paid back gets invested back into other businesses. This is something that I think is a part of that community, is a part of what we've created over the 28
0: years here. This has been such an amazing conversation. I think that the work that you are doing is so important. I'm so glad that I found that I found you and that I found WebC because these services are incredible. And someday we'll have to have you on the podcast so we can talk about how we met. But for now, I just want to say thank you, thank you so much. I'm gonna put those links into the show notes. And I'm also going to put the WeBC website so people can sign up for things, learn more about the organization, try and find something with similar services in their community if they're not here in BC. But it sounds like you actually do provide resources for people in other communities in some ways, though your target audience is in BC and that's where the funding's available. But there is
1: funding across Canada. So yes. I will also give you a link to WEOC. They were recently given a $34 million loan fund by the federal government to invest specifically in women entrepreneurs. And so there are other organizations like ourselves right across the country that are helping women to qualify for those loans. They're $50,000 loans. And it's something that they have been earmarked to invest in um, to start and grow women businesses in Canada. So definitely there is funding right across our country. And those of you not in Canada Canada. There uh, Hopefully there will be um, other pockets available, but if not, take a look at your credit unions if you have them or something similar to that, and then other community support systems.
0: Wonderful. Thank you so much for joining. Thank you. Before I had this conversation with Shauna, I had no idea that there were so many free and low cost opportunities for female entrepreneurs that are specifically designed to help them build their businesses. But I want to reflect on two key points that Shauna mentioned in this conversation. One, don't try and go it alone. Build a community. And I know from experience that has been a game changer. And the other is that growth mindset. Always be learning. Always be curious. I enjoyed this conversation. I enjoy every conversation. And I hope that you do too. And if this podcast means something to you, which I really hope that it does, please take a moment and to share one of your favorite episodes. Maybe this one, maybe another one. Share it with a friend. Follow the podcast, wherever it is that you get your podcast from, whether it's Google, Spotify, maybe it's Apple. Leave me a review. Oh, it just means the world to me when you do. And we'll see you next week. Much love.